Kia ora tato, morena. Uh, thank you, Rosie, for reading. It was great having a, a Ngāpuhi come and read. Uh, me and Rosie, actually, uh, we are related a few generations back, so that was a nice little combination. Um, yes, so kia ora, my name is Sam Hinari. On the side of my mother, I'm from the UK. I was actually born in a place called, well, very close to Brighton, a place called Haywards Heath, if you know the area. Um, and on the side of my father, I hail from Te Tai uh, from the, many of the iwi that sit under something called Te Whare Tapu o Ngāpuhi, or the many maunga of Ngāpuhi. But mainly, I whakapapa to Ngāti Hine and to Ngāpuhi. So what I thought I'd do is, before we get into the, the, into the word today, I thought it'd be a great opportunity for me to share a pūrāko from Te Tai and we'll use that as an example for our, our preach today. So in Taitokiro, uh, for Ngāpui, we have an eponymous ancestor. Now, an eponymous ancestor is someone who everybody in Ngāpuhi relates to or whakapapas back to. And so his name is Rahiri. And in fact, in Ngāpuhi, we have a whakatoki or a, a, a proverb or a saying that says that if you are from Ngāpuhi and you don't relate back to Rahiri, then you must be a horse. So everybody <laughs> in Ngāpuhi relates back to this man, Rahiri. Now, Rahiri, he, uh, when he arrived in Aotearoa, arriving aboard, well, according to some, the Ngātoki Matafaurua Waka and to some, the Mātātua, but he arrives in Aotearoa and he starts looking for a wife. He looks, starts looking to establish himself and his people. Now, he goes about on his travels and he finally smells the sweet smell of this lady. And uh, the only reason I bring that up is because it's also in a whakatauki about how he smells the sweet smell of this lady. Uh, and her name is Ahuaiti. And if, so Rahiri gets all ready to go and plucks himself up and he goes to court this wahine Ahuaiti, which he successfully does. Uh, a few years later, they have a son and the son's name is Uenuku. Now, a bit later on in the story, maybe one or two years later, before Uenuku is old enough to be able to remember, Ahuaiti and Rahiri, they have a falling out over some manuhiri, some guests who come into the village and there's a falling out between the people. So Rahiri, in his anger, he says to Ahuaiti to leave and for Uenuku to leave as well. So he gets rid of his wife and his son and they go on this hikoi somewhere else. In the meantime, Rahiri finds himself another wife and her name is Fakarudu. And between Rahiri and Fakarudu, they have another son and his name is Kaharo. Now many years pass, maybe 15, 20 years pass at this point, and Uenuku, the son who has been sent away, begins to grow up and begins to ask his mother who his father was. And his mother eventually reveals that his father is this person, Rahiri, who is a very famous known rangatira of the time. So Uenuku decides that he's going to go back and confront his father and find out what actually happened. So he goes back, arrives back to his dad. They begin to have this corridor, and Kaharo begins to hear what's happening and realises that his place as is the, is the mātāmua, or his place as the oldest, is suddenly under threat here because he realises he's not the oldest anymore. So Kahado confronts Uenuku and the brothers begin to fight it out. Daihiri stops them and he says, right, here's what I want you two to do. We're going to go to a maunga, a mountain. The name of the mountain is called Firia. And that's important because I'll bring it back in a second. But what I want you to do is from Firia, we're going to fly something called a manuote, or it's, which is a really big kite, kind of shaped like a person. But what I need you to do is I want this manuote to have a tail. So I want you two brothers together, work together, and to weave 
a tail made out of harukiku, out of flex, all the way around the mountain of Fidia. So it's going to take them a while, right? It's not, it's not, it's not a day or a week kind of job. That's a, a year kind of job. So the brothers start working on it. They start weaving themselves this thing. And, you know, maybe to start with, it was probably a little bit awkward and silent between the two of them as they're, as they're forced to work together. But as they continue to go around this mountain, around Fidia, they begin to realise that maybe they've got a few more things in common with each other than they first thought. And by the time they make it fully around the mountain, Fidia, they realise, actually, we're, we're pretty good friends now. We can, we can make this thing work. And the reason the name Fidia is important is because to fidi means to braid. So the mountain was actually named after the weaving of this harakiki around it. So what Rahiri then does, he goes, great, you guys have made this, this, this uh, tail out of harakiki. Let's attach it to the manuote, to the kite, and he flies it from Fidia. And this manuote flies down to Taitokiro and lands at a place called Kaikohe. What Rahiri then does is he turns to Uenuku and he says, from this point on, any, for you on the east side, that's all going to be yours. To Taitamawahine is what it's called, and that's going to belong to you and to your people, the east side. And that's what is going to be known as the Taumariri. And to you, Kaharo, I'm going to give you the west side, and that's going to become the Hokianga. And then there's a Whakatauki which goes along with this, which says, Ka mumiti te punui taumariri, ka toto te punui hokianga. Ka toto te punui taumariri, ka mumiti te punui hokianga. Which means that when the spring or the water source in taumariri is full, the spring or the water source in hokianga, in the hokianga side, is going to be empty. And vice versa. When it's full in the hokianga, it's going to be empty in the taumariri. And what this water source is referred to is it's actually talking about people. So that when there's maybe a war or they need some help on one side, say in the taumariri, then the people from the hokianga are going to go over there to be able to help them out. And vice versa, if the hokianga needs some help, then people from taumariri are going to go over this side. Now what this has done is, it's, um, through the generations, it's made this really interesting link between the two sides of Te Tokido. And so that now, whenever I go into an area and I hear that someone else is from the Hokianga, the first thing that comes into my head is the Whakatauki, about how we're supposed to be in relationship with each other and helping each other out. Which brings me to our kaupapa for the day, which is covenant, which is what we're going to be talking about. So we have between these two people groups this covenant that is made and this covenant that is kind of bringing them together in this really familial kind of relationship to help each other out, which is now spans through the generations, even to us today in Ngāpuhi. So what is this word covenant? Covenant talks about uh, two or more parties coming to a relationship with each other. Now, this was quite a common thing that happened back in biblical times, not just amongst, the, uh, amongst Israel, but around lots of other people groups back then, where they'd create a covenant between people groups. And it was more than just a coming together, but it really was this idea of almost becoming like a, a family thing, like a really deep sense of connection. Uh, now, there are different types of covenant. You might be something called a kinship covenant, which is when you'd have two mutual parties which would kind of mutually benefit each other, similar to what we talked about with Uenuku and Kaharo, how they'd mutually benefit each other in that covenant. Then there might be another one called a vassal covenant, uh, where there'd be one superior party, and they'd make a covenant with an inferior party, and basically they'd put a set of demands on this inferior party, and we see this quite a lot. We even see this in the Bible with the Assyrians putting this kind of uh, vessel on Judah, um, saying, you know, from now on, you guys are going to have to pay us tribute. You're going to have to get rid of your, your gods and all of this kind of stuff. And then another type of covenant we see is called a grant covenant. And the grant covenant still works between the superior and the inferior, 
but it's the superior saying to the inferior, well, actually, we're going to look after you. Um, maybe we're going to send Kai your way. Maybe we're going to send troops your way and look after you. Now, these kind of covenants, they were often made, like there was often like a, a ceremony that would happen to kind of cement these covenants, where unfortunately it often ended in the killing of animals. Um, and we see this actually in, with, with Abraham as well, where they cut these animals in half so that each side will take part of the animal to symbolise their covenant. And so actually to say, instead of saying, we're going to make a covenant, the saying was actually, we're going to cut a covenant because it was part about cutting these animals in half. Okay, up to them, whatever they want to do. But what also would happen was there'd be a deity involved in these kind of uh, covenants as well. Now, the role of the deity was to act as a witness so that if one of these parties didn't honour their side of the covenant, then there'd be consequences because this deity would be there. Now, the thing that's different we have with Israel is Israel actually make a covenant with the deity. They make a covenant with God, which is quite a unique part of this. And we see this come in uh, times, we remember the story of Noah, when the world is flooded, the waters eventually recede, Noah is still there, and God makes a covenant with Noah saying, I will never flood the world again. This is the type of covenant that is in the history of Israel. And then we have the covenant he makes with Abraham, where he says to, to Abraham that you will have a great name, that you're going to inherit this great nation and that your family is going to be a blessing to the whole of the earth. But in return, I want you to obey my command. These are the kind of covenants that we see. And eventually we arrive at our verse here, which is getting ready for God to make another covenant with His people as they come back to this mountain of Sinai. So when they arrive at this mountain, the first thing that God seems to do is He seems to remind them of Whakapapa. Straight away is one of the first things He begins to do as He begins to remind them of how He saved them out of Egypt. These are the things that you were going through. You were going through this ter terrible time in Egypt, but I saved you out of that. I brought you out on the wings of eagles is what He says as He begins to remind them of how faithful He has been to them, that He is a faithful covenant partner. The other interesting part is that by returning to Sinai, he's actually being faithful to another promise that he made to Moses earlier in the, at the story of the burning bush. So you have Moses at the burning bush and what God says to him, he says, when I lead my people out of Egypt, I'm going to bring them back here so that they can worship at this mountain. So just in the act of Israel returning to Sinai, God is showing that he is a faithful covenant partner to Israel. So this is what he does. He begins to project this sense that he is a, a, a a, a trusting covenant partner that he can be trusted. So this new covenant that he's about to make with them, they know that they can trust him with this. And what he then does is in the laying out of the covenant, he gives them a calling. He says to them, you are to be my treasured possession. You are to be a priestly nation and you are to be a holy nation. Now, this is interesting. He says, first of all, you are to be a treasured possession. And when he says this, I just find it nice just to sit and take a pause at that point. <laughs> that before he begins to put anything else and begin to talk about other ends of the covenant that Israel must hold to, he says, no, you guys are a treasured nation. Amongst all the other nations, I've chosen you. And they might go, oh, did he really choose us? Because we've just been through Egypt and that was pretty bad. But God reminds them, yes, I'm a God who holds on to covenant. Or he reminds them of their whakapapa and says, yes, through Abraham, he begins to, it's kind of funny that that, God shows that He's faithful to His covenant because the covenant with Abraham was that they'll become a great nation. And then when they're in Egypt, the reason why the Pharaoh wants to get rid of them is because they've become so great in Egypt. 
So it's how he's holding faithful to his covenant time and time again. The second thing is he says to them is he wants them to be a priestly nation. Now, what does this mean to be a priestly nation? Now, it's an interesting point here because the, the role of the priest hadn't really yet been established. As we find out later, we can see what the role of the priest was. And the role of the priest was to kind of sit in this relationship with God. Now, we see later on examples of this being done in the tabernacle and in, um, and in the temple, where once a year, the role of the priest was to be able to go and enter into behind this great curtain that separated the people from God and to be with God. And so there's this sense here where he's calling them to be a priestly nation is he's calling them and reminding them that they had to be in relationship with him. He's not just gonna rescue them out and leave them, but he's gonna rescue them out of Egypt and become in this amazing relationship with him. And lastly, is that he calls them to be a holy nation. This idea that they had to be set apart, that they're not to look the same as the other nations around them. That, you know, from, from this kind of one in Exodus, Exodus 19, he then lays out all these rules that go right through to Deuteronomy. So there's a lot of rules going on. But the whole point is that he wants Israel to look different from the rest of the other nations. Work. Why do they look different? Because they are his treasured people and he's still holding the covenant of Abraham that they are to be a blessing to the other nations. Sorry, I'll just take a drink. Now, this, this covenant that, that, uh, that Yahweh makes with Israel is a covenant where he does want obedience. He wants them to follow these rules. He wants obedience from his people. But it's interesting to see as we look back through all the different covenants, we can see at first God made a covenant with Hetangata Nuihu, with one man, with Noah. He then goes and makes his covenant with Afano, with Abraham and his Fano. He then makes a covenant with a Hapu being Moses, and then he makes a covenant with an iwi or a kingdom being David, and then he makes this covenant with ngaiwi katoa, with all peoples through the life and the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And so this covenant that he made with Moses still continues through to us today. And ways, so, so this covenant that, yeah, continues through to us today, the covenant that we are called to be, a, we're, first of all, that we're treasured, secondly, that we're called to be a priestly nation, and thirdly, that we are called to be a holy nation. And we know that this covenant continues to us today because we see it echoed throughout the New Testament. In 1 Peter, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So if this calling is still for us today, what must be our first kind of reaction to it? Well, the first reaction to this that the Israelites had was to look back at Papa, right? So our first reaction is to look back at our past and see where God has been faithful to His covenant through our lives. Now, I want us just all to take a second, take 10 seconds where you are and just think back at times when you have seen God be faithful to you through your life. Now, there might be a genuine response that maybe actually in my life, I haven't seen God be faithful. I've had a really... But then we can, we've got something called the Bible. We can look back at the faithfulness of God through the Scriptures, knowing that He will trust His Word. So let's just take 10 seconds. I just want you to think about times in your life where God has been faithful.
it's funny when I was spending time looking back at my own life and thinking of times when God had been faithful to us, there's one that really stands out to me of my wife, Stacey. Now, we used to live in Cambodia. And when we were out there, um, we kind of, we'd saved up all our money before we went and then we were kind of living off savings in the time we were there. Now, we still had about a month of our time remaining there to go. And we looked at our bank account and our bank account said we had $2.86 in our bank account. Now, the price, like... (laughs) It's a lot easier to live off little in Cambodia than it is in New Zealand, but $2.86 was not going to do us for a month. Now, at this time, usually I used to be the one who was always full of faith and saying, God will provide. I was freaking out at this point. I was freaking out in this moment going, what are we going to do? $2, that will get us one meal between us. Like, what are we supposed to do for the rest of this time? And Stacy came in, very cool, calm and collected at this point. And Stacy said to me, look, if God wants us to be here, He's going to provide for us. And of course, I wasn't going to listen to that. I was still freaking out at the time. But Stacy was very calm, thinking, well, knowing that God was going to provide. So the next day when I looked back on our bank account, in our account was $802.86. And so, I was, so $300 had randomly been sent in from some of our friends in Aotearoa to help us out. Not that they knew about it at the time. And then $500 said it had always been in our account. And I remember being like, I know it wasn't because I freaked out the day before. Like, I wouldn't have freaked out like that if I'd known it was there. So God held to his covenant word knowing that he was going to look after us. So now, me and Stacey, well, 10 years later now from, from our time in Cambodia, we're students. And money is not like, <laughs> we don't have heaps of money. But I know now because I'm looking back at my papa, I know that he will always provide for me because there are stories of it through my family and through my life of him providing, constantly providing for us. So before we get into anything else of looking at these covenants and the promises, it's so good just to sit and look back and see what God has done in all of our lives. I'm sure that all of us will have stories, not maybe just in your life, but in people you know or in family and further back into Scripture where you know that, uh, that God has been faithful to you. Then again, almost before the covenants come out, the first point that God says to the people is, you are treasured, that you are loved. Well, maybe you're sitting here this morning going, I don't feel very loved right now. (laughs) What I'm going through isn't great. I'm not feeling amazing right now. How do I even know that I'm loved? Well, first of all, what can we do? We can go back to point one and look back to Whakapapa again and see how he has been there for us again, time after time. There's this amazing Whakatoki, which says, which means that I walk backwards into the future with my eyes fixed on the past. Which basically means I walk backwards into the future because I can't see what the future is going to hold. I don't know what it's going to happen in the future. But my eyes are fixed on the past, knowing the goodness of God in the past and what He's done before, that as I walk back into the future, He will continue to be faithful to me all the time. It's a beautiful whakatoki. But not only are we kind of walking back knowing that, but we have the voice of God saying us at the same time that we are treasured and that He's got us through as we go through these different circumstances. Another way that we know that we are treasured is because God sent His Son for us. <laughs> this is a rather big point. How do we know we're treasured? Because we know that God took the time to send His one and only Son to us to die on a cross for us. How do we know we're treasured? Because Jesus sat in the Garden of Gethsemane trying to find another way out as he began to sweat tears of blood, uh, terrified about what he was going to go through. But in the end, he turned around knowing it was all going to be terrible, but saying, Father, your will be done. 
This is how we know we're loved. That when He sat on the cross just before He was about to die, He turned and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is the loving God who we were entering into a covenant relationship with. A God that no matter what we have done, we know that He will continue to hold His end of the covenant. Again, we can look back through the Bible, we see this, we see time after time after time, Israel breaking their covenant with Yahweh, with God, but God still remains faithful to them, time after time after time. Secondly, we are called to be a priestly nation. We're called to be in relationship with Him. Again, The relationship that Jesus models is the relationship of a father and a child, and this is the relationship that we're called to be in. We know that God will give good gifts to His people. We know that as His people, we're here and we're ready to receive these good gifts that He has as He sends the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. We know that Jesus says things such as, those who are in my hand, I will never let them go. And even as we walk through these hard times, We can look back at the Bible and what it's saying and knowing that Jesus says to us, you're walking through a hard time, but you're in my hand. I will never let you go. And we can find strength and and, and find faith in that. And lastly, we're called to be holy. We're called to be set apart. We're called to look different from other people around us. This is the role of the church. We're called to be light in the darkness. This is who we are as a church. I was looking and I saw, uh, I think it's, our, our church hashtag, I don't know if that's a thing, but for the good of Auckland City. And this is what we're called to be as a church. We're not here just to catch up once a week and, and, and doing community is great, but that's not just why we're here. We're called to be here for the good of Auckland City. And so the point of the church, yes, we come on a Sunday and we come on a Sunday and it's great to worship in community and to have the scripture read to us as a community and to hear the word be preached but we're here for the other six days of the week as well. We're here to set ourselves apart so that we will look different from the rest of the world and the way things are going. This is the calling that God has put upon us as St. Augustine's as a church. Now, I wanna ask you as well, personally, what are some of the callings that God is putting in your life? Maybe there's some callings that God has put upon you many years ago that maybe you thought, oh, this hasn't, I haven't seen this come to fruition. I thought I heard God, but nothing seems to have happened. Remember, let's continue to look back at our whakapapa. Bring these things back before God this morning, saying, God, I thought you were going to break in here. I thought, a, a big one for us and our family was actually, my auntie, uh, she died of cancer when she was 49, and it really rocked our family. There were lots of people praying for healing, and God didn't heal, and it was a, there was a lot of disappointment Uh, in our family at the time that God didn't step in and heal. A lot of disappointment. But we continue to look back and although we don't understand, we say, God, we look back at our whakapapa, you've always been good, you've always held to your covenant and although we don't understand, we continue to trust in you today. And maybe if you've got a calling that you felt God give you many years ago saying, I'm so disappointed, God, I haven't seen this come through. I'm disappointed my children aren't walking with you. I'm disappointed my partner, my wife, my husband isn't walking with you. Let's continue to bring this before God. I'm not saying it's not hard or anything like this, but as we come in in faith, we say, God, you have always been good. You've always held to your end of the covenant. We say, Lord, come and break into these situations again this morning. For for, for my sake, but also again, we say for the good of Auckland City, come and break into these situations, Lord. 
to finish up, I just want to leave three points out. The first one is if you're here this morning and you're not feeling treasured, I want you to know that God has put that over your life, that you are loved. You are loved so much that He did send His Son for you. This is the ultimate form of love. There is no greater love that a man would lay down his life for his friends as Jesus laid down His life for us, for His church. So if you're here this morning, you're feeling alone uh, or there's other situations going on around you that you're struggling and you're walking through hard things and you're not feeling treasured, you're not feeling loved, know that God has put His love over you, that you are a son, you're a daughter, you're a family member with, with God. But if you are feeling this and you're struggling with this, in a moment we're gonna have time to pray and I'd love you to come forward for prayer as the prayer team continues to pray and prophesy over you. Secondly, remember we're called to the role of priest to be in this relationship with God. Now, if you're here this morning, you might be thinking, I turn up to church, but I wouldn't say I've got a relationship with God. And, and I, we've all been through that. There's the guilty feeling, oh, I haven't picked up my Bible this week, this month this year. This, we all know what that feels like, right? But we are called to come back into relationship with God. That no matter what we've been going through in our lives, come back to Him. He is the, the, you know, come to Him. He says, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you rest as we walk through these hard seasons. Come back to Him. And if you're here this morning and you're hearing me talk about all this random stuff, then maybe this is your first time in a church. <laughs> who is this Jesus? I don't know who this Jesus, but that rest sounds good coming back to someone who makes me feel loved, that sounds good, then come, we'd love to pray for you as a team here at St. Orgs. So first of all, if you're struggling or you're not feeling loved at the moment, or you're feeling by yourself, come forward, we'd love to pray for you. Secondly, if you wanna come back into a relationship with Jesus, come forward, or maybe not come back, if you want to, yeah. But also, if you're just finding your relationship quite hard at the moment with Jesus, the prayer times aren't going so easy, uh, maybe there's other things, circumstances that if you're finding hard, then come, we'd love to pray for you with that as well. And thirdly, the last one is that we are holy, that we set our lives apart for Him. And we'd love to pray for you um, for the setting apart of your life. That maybe recently you feel you've kind of maybe, maybe compromising a bit too much, maybe following the way the world, that the world wants you to follow, maybe giving in to what your friends are, maybe you're not living... You're the only one who's gonna know this. Maybe you're not living as you feel you want to be living, as you're feeling Christ is calling you to live for Him. Then come, we'd love to pray for you for that as well, for strength that you can give your life to Him and, and say, Lord, we're yours. I'm just, I'm just gonna pray before we finish, then I'll hand over to you. First of all, Lord, I wanna thank you for our rich papa in you. Lord, as we look back and we see how you've been faithful to Noah, we've seen how you've been faithful to Abraham, how you've been faithful to Moses, to David. Lord, we know you'll be faithful to us. We know that, Lord. As we look back in our own lives, we thank you that you've been faithful to us in our lives, in the lives of our families, Lord, and further generations back. We thank you that regardless of what is happening, you always keep to your end of the covenant. You always do. You always keep to your end. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I will say thank you that you call us treasured, that this is part of this covenant, that you call us to be treasured by you, to be loved by you. I thank you that you give good gifts to us, to your kids, that before anything you say to us that I love you and so much so that you sent your son to die for us, to, to death, even death on a cross. And we thank you for that, Lord, that you sent that, that your love for us was so much as that, Lord. We pray for us to be a royal priesthood, a priestly kingdom as we come into relationship with you, Lord. 
I pray strengthen our relationships with you. I pray that St. Org's will be known as a church of people with amazing relationships with their Father, amazing relationships with their God. I pray for individuals who are here this morning, regardless of what circumstances they're going through, I pray for relationships to be strength. When there's nowhere else to turn, I pray turn our eyes always onto you, Lord. We pray for that. And lastly, we wanna pray for us that we will be set apart. Lord, I pray, give us a radical edge here at St. Org's that for the good of Auckland City, we choose to set ourselves apart from the way the world is. That we say, Lord, we wanna base ourselves on You, that when the world says that we're doing things a little bit crazy or looking a bit weird, whether that's by stopping and taking time in a Sabbath or whatever that is to look like, I pray, Lord, that we will set ourselves apart for You in this way, Lord. Lord, we just pray for this church. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. I pray, meet with people now, Lord, that as we go through the communion, go through the Eucharist, that you will be meeting with us as individuals. I pray for responses from us as a people, as a church. As we turn to you and say, Lord, you are our God. We love you, Lord. Come and have your way amongst us this morning. Amen.